Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we look at the ongoing 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations qualifiers, with places at the finals in Morocco to be decided over the next few days. Also, we speak to Nigeria and Watford midfielder Ogunekaro Peter Etebo, who missed the Africa Cup of Nations but is now back in training. Well,、uh, I'm happy. I'm excited because,、uh, as we all know, like the Prem is one of the best in the world. It's been rated as the best in the world. As coming later, plus your views on the story of Kurt Zuma as the West Ham defender kicked his cat, and Stuart on the English Premier League and the UEFA Champions League. But let's start with the qualifiers for the 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations. The final round of qualifiers on up to Wednesday of next week. Twelve teams will take part in the finals in Morocco in July, and the top four there qualify for the 2023 Women's World Cup. Well, the standout tie is Nigeria playing Ivory Coast, while Cameroon face the Gambia, and South Africa take on Algeria. Now, Zambia represented Africa at the Tokyo Olympics last year, and they drew nil-nil with Namibia in their first leg of their tie on Wednesday, missing their star player Barbara Banda, who was injured. Here's their coach Bruce Mwape on the importance of the Africa Women's Cup of Nations. One of them is.、Uh... Uh, to market、uh, our players because we want as many players as we can to be playing、uh, professional football. That is one way of、uh, developing the women's、um, football in our country because we are we are fighting now to the African champions. So the idea is to expose our players to a high level where they will gain more experience. So that in future we are able to win the Africa Cup and also qualify to to the World Cup because our key is actually to qualify to to the World Cup. We have qualified to the Africa Cup way back in、um, 2018 or 19. We do qualify this time. This will be our 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 second time, and、um, I'm sure our girls will be able to gain more experience. Well, that's Zambia coach Bruce Mwape. So, lots to play for in these qualifiers, Ida. Lots to play for, and lots of controversy as well. Even before the showpiece begins, Steve, and I will get to the controversies in a bit. But first,、uh, Zambia's Bruce Mwape there, and Zambia actually thrashed South Africa three nil. That was in a friendly prior to the qualifiers, and that could have demoralized Banyana, though that was before South Africa's big guns, you know, arrived. So it is safe to say that the Banyana Banyana squad is now looking very different, you know. Thanks to the likes of Tembi Katlana, who plays for Atletico Madrid now. Thanks to the likes of AC Milan's Refoli Jane. Though there is some difference when it comes to fitness, I would say. You see, while the league in South Africa ended months ago, you know the domestic league in Algeria is still in progress. So, Steve, you never know if that would give the North Africans the edge. But as you have mentioned, some pretty, pretty interesting games there, and it is a real shame, you know, that a powerhouse like Ghana exited at such an early stage. But still, you know, lots of action lined up. 
Nigeria were responsible for seeing Ghana out, though Super Falcons head coach Randy Waldrum confessed that it wasn't one of their best performances. So they really have to build on that, Steve, you know, if they will want to exact some form of revenge on the Ivorians. You see, these two sides have history and the recent past doesn't really favor Nigeria, you know, who have failed to win four times in their last five outings against Ivory Coast. And let's not forget that it was the Lady Elephants who stopped the Super Falcons from qualifying for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. But weirdly, Steve, while Nigeria's participation at the Olympics is on and off, some do see their participation at the Orkin, you know, for lack of a better term, almost as a birthright, you know. And if they do get past this hurdle, first in Abuja, then in Abidjan, it will be their 12th consecutive Orkin appearance. And that is something. Looking at Cameroon, Gambia, well, the Gambians are looking for their first ever Orkin appearance. We just saw what their male counterparts did at the Afghan. I mean, going all the way to their quarters in their maiden edition. So I am sure that even though they might not necessarily admit it, you know, the ladies might be feeling a bit of that pressure and that heat. We will see. Yeah, it's a tough tie for the Gambia's women. Burkina Faso looking good after a 6-0 away win over Guinea-Bissau on Wednesday. Burundi beat Djibouti 6-1 in their first leg and Senegal edged Mali by a goal to nil. Togo beating Gabon 2-1 in their first leg of their tie on Thursday. So as you said there, Ida, Kenya pulled out of their qualifier against Uganda. Uh, what's the story there? Right, Steve, so... Uganda became the second team to qualify for the Orkin after the hosts, that is, and it's a super bizarre case. You see, Uganda's opponents, Kenya, had their federation disbanded not too long ago, and football is now being handled by an interim committee in Kenya, not a normalization committee, please note, because there hasn't been any word yet, technically from FIFA, on this particular case. But football in Kenya is being handled by a locally organized interim committee. Now, Steve, the speculation is whether this was communicated to CAF, and you'll see why in a second. CAF, instead of writing to the local body in charge in Kenya apparently wrote to the disbanded federation who responded, you know, saying that in light of the new committee, that they didn't have the capacity to plan any international match, which if you look at it, it's true. So it was a move that CAF interpreted to mean that Kenya had withdrawn. And thus the decision was made to X the Kenya national team. It's really sad for Kenya's Harambe Starlets, but the competition goes on. Well, sad indeed with Kenya missing their chance. So those games go on up to Wednesday of next week. We'll review them on next week's show. And we've got the second round of group games on in the CAF Champions League this Friday and Saturday. In Group D, Egyptian Giants Zamalek play away to Angolan debutants Esperanza Sagrada. With Zamalek having been held to a 2-2 draw at home to another Angolan club, Petro Atletico, last weekend. 
And what stands out for you, Ida? Well, Steve, it's still very early days in the competition, but of course, you know, all eyes will be on the Giants. So let's look at Al Ali, Pizzo Masimene, basically calling on his players to shift attention from that bronze medal win in the FIFA Club World Cup. And, you know, of course, Al Ali will be all about trying to get that hat trick of titles. Will they be able to do it? The next few months will tell. Now, despite being such a dominant force at home, South Africa's Mamelodi Sundowns, well, they often swing on and off on the continental stage, truth be told. But, you know, they will want to build on that 1-0 win that was over Al-Hilal in their group opener to at least boost their chances of getting past the group stage. Let's focus on Zamalek. Well, they've also had a pretty interesting time so far, though one that I'm sure they'd like to forget because they did struggle somewhat in their group opener. They needed a 95th minute equalizer to rescue a point. So they will also be looking to bounce back, you know, get all three points. So, yes, absolutely. Lots to look forward to as the tournament shapes up. Yes, thanks, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League and on the UEFA Champions League too. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. And our website is planetsport.tv. In the blog section there, we have a blog called The Best Foundation for the Biggest Challenge. Russ Bravo reflects on the Africa Cup of Nations and how these tournaments are a big test of character. That's on our website, planetsport.tv, and you'll find it in the blog section. Let's go to social media now. Last week we asked, what do you think about the Kurt Zuma story? Uh, Much talked about this one as there was outrage after videos emerged of West Ham defender Kurt Zuma kicking and slapping one of his pet cats. An animal charity took his two cats away. West Ham gave Zuma the maximum possible fine and Adidas ended their deal with him. Now, some have said that the issue was dealt with more decisively than incidents of racism in football are. So we asked, what do you think about the story? With your comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Tequila. Well, Steve, we had some very strong views on this. Paul Egbele in Nigeria says, it's racism, simple and plain. He's suffering all of this because he's black. Abdullahi Abja Jawara in Sierra Leone says, The fact of all this is clearly shown that he is a black man. When a white man does something in a white land, they call it anger and nothing goes out of it. The only thing that will end racism is judgment day, says Abdullahi. Fadile Oluwafemi in Nigeria has similar views, saying many white footballers did terrible stuff, but were not punished like this. And Oben Ari in Cameroon posted with the same views. Moses in Malawi says, I'm struggling to see how animals are treated so highly in other countries. But Andrew Bangura in Sierra Leone says, Before you guys start talking about racism, ask yourself if there is any law of cruelty for animals. That's the case in Europe, says Andrew. Nang Nono Richie is a Ugandan in the DR Congo, and he says the punishment should be equal to the crime, and this has been way too much, so it makes people see it as racist. J. Alan Musime in Kenya says it's racism, but MVP Alain in the USA says, 
I hope we will all learn to stop animal cruelty. Ebenezer Fahat Busayo in Nigeria says it's purely racism. Eddie Nazad kicked the ball boy in 2013 against Swansea. He was only sent off and served a three-match ban. Nothing more. For Zuma, it's too much. Stanley in Nigeria says, I think Zuma did not deserve such treatment. And Malang Sabao in Italy says, he did a bad thing, but the punishment is too harsh. But I think he will become stronger. Ebrima in the Gambia says, animals should not be abused, but I think black players are targeted in incidents like this. Mr. Splendid in Sierra Leone says, what's the world turning to? We value the lives of animals more than humans. I wish racism could be handled with the same energy, but sadly, that's not the case. Bolong Baji in the Gambia says, cautioning him as a first offender would have been a better move. And Patrick Villa in Namibia got in touch saying, it's unfair and racist. Harry Maguire was involved in an incident and didn't lose his sponsorship. Yes, Manchester United defender Harry Maguire was arrested in Greece in 2020 and found guilty of aggravated assault, resisting arrest and attempted bribery and was given a suspended jail term. So Steve, some very strong views and many are feeling that Kurt Zuma was not treated fairly. Thanks, Ash. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Tikiwa. Thanks to everyone who got in touch. Apologies if we didn't have time to read out your message because this one did have a, a big response. Well, now to our interview with Nigeria and Watford midfielder Ogunakaru Peter Etebo, who missed the Africa Cup of Nations due to a serious injury sustained back in September. And he's missed most of the season with his new English Premier League club Watford, with six appearances before the injury. Well, Etebo is now back in training, and he could feature in the Super Eagles World Cup qualifying tie against Ghana next month, and he could be back with Watford any time. Now, Etebo is on loan from championship side Stoke. He told Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji about the feeling of being in the English Premier League. Well, uh, I'm happy. I'm excited because, uh, as we all know, like the Prem is one of the best in the world. It's been rated as the best in the world. Uh, I was in opportunity to get the, the, the vision then when I was in Stoke. Like, then I had a pre-contract. I already signed a pre-contract with Watford, but it was, you know, the terms and the conditions to give to me that, oh, they're going to go back as soon as possible to the Prem and all that, but it's football, anything can happen. But the same, I'm here, I'm here. So, like, I had a good relationship with them because, you know, they've been on my case, like, for a very long time. So I spoke with the president, the club directors, and they're happy. So it's a, it's a team of joy for me. Like, you know, it's, it's a great achievement for me playing in the Prem. And to play alongside some of your um, international competitors like um, William Trust Ekong, Emmanuel Dennis, and they've called you guys the Nigerian Onets. <laughs> and I, I guess you're enjoying that. Yeah, yeah, they, in short, not just Nigerian because the team, they are full of black guys yeah. as well. So the thing is, uh, we're happy and then they are doing well as well. As you can see, you're following all the games. Dennis is playing, Kong, Ekong is playing as well. So I'm happy for everyone. You're just on loan, but Watford fans are already screaming, permanent, permanent, permanent. How does that make you feel knowing that um, the job you do on the pitch is being recognized by the fans? It makes me happy, though, because, uh, to be honest, uh, it's it's a diamond in something. But uh, the thing is, uh, you know, one thing about me, whenever I'm on the pitch of play, I always want to give my best because uh, it has been a myth that has been part of me. So there's no way I'm going to be, like, just trying, like, not give my best whenever I'm on a pitch of play. So when they were like, oh, they want to take loan and then an option to buy, mm. what just came on my mind, like, okay, you just need to, like, you know, work hard and make sure that everything becomes permanent, which uh, 
I'm happy because first of all, the fans, they also contribute to things like this because when they don't like you, <laughs> you don't find it funny, you don't find it interesting. But again, it's a game of football and then I'm excited at least, you know, everyone is giving me their accolades and it's just for me to just keep on working out and trying to do my thing. When people back home in Africa are watching the English Championship, they said it's the most expensive and the most um, expensive promotional playoff when you watch everything and all that. But for someone like you, you've played in the league itself. Tell us, how difficult is playing in the English Championship? Because, I mean, you're playing over 40-something games and you're playing cup games. The last time I spoke to you, you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really difficult. Not just me, but ask anyone who has played in championship like they're going to tell you like the championship is very difficult and the prime because you know imagine you're playing three games in a week you play weekend midweek weekend and then you're playing 46 games that exclude the cup game so if you're including the cup games you're playing a season 50 something games so calculate the premiership games that's like if you add some more games that's like two seasons <laughs> yeah. so it's very like it's very difficult it's really difficult and it's a championship whereby you know like if you need to contest because if you're not there trust me you're going to go to league one look imagine some teams that have gone to league one like Sunderland the likes of Sheffield Wednesday as well mm. last two seasons they were mm. battling to promote to the Prem see where they are now yeah. they went to league one so it's really difficult like you know you need to make sure that uh, if you want to play every game you need to take every game serious if not Believe me, I can guarantee you're going to relegate to League One. But <laughs> it's very difficult. Ask anyone that has played in the Championship. Really, really difficult. On the international front, the last World Cup in Russia didn't go well for the Super Eagles, everyone would say. I bet um, you guys want to, you know, win in and qualify for, um, for the World Cup. Yeah, the the last World Cup didn't go well. Consider the diamond goal, which <laughs> make us be knocked out from the, the next round. Mm. But again, we need to take it step by step because first of all, we're playing the qualifiers and, you know, we need solidarity and all that. But it's imp- everyone wants to play in the World Cup. That's every player's dream. So I'm <laughs> going to say to anyone, the most important thing is just this World Cup qualifier. We need to focus on this because it's important. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell some players, if you ask them, choose between the World Cup and the Nations Cup, 99% is the World Cup. Oh. Me, for sure. <laughs> for example, I'm going to go, like, I'm going to go for the World Cup because, you know, that's every player's mm-hmm. dream. But still, that doesn't mean that the AFCON is not important, you mm-hmm. know. That's Nigeria and Watford midfielder Ogena Karu Peter Etebo speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Akaleji. Let's go to our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK and Etebo there talking about how tough the second tier championship is in England. Also about the Africans at Watford. Uh, last week, Stuart, he told us that the Hornets now have 10 African players in their squad. Yes, indeed, Steve. Watford is the most African Premier League club. Because as well as the Nigerian Hornets, as we'll now call them, uh, there are players from Morocco, Cameroon, Ivory Coast, Congo and Senegal, 10 and all. It's great to see Peter getting back to fitness, but getting into the first team will be a challenge as Watford have 36, yes, 36 outfield players and only 10 of them can start any week. I thought his analysis of the championship was absolutely on the money. When the Premier League decided to reduce the number of clubs from 22 to 20, the consequence was a championship of 24 clubs. That's 46 league games, 8 more than the Premier League, as well as the two cups. Stoke City were an established Premier League club for many years, but were relegated in 2018. Since then, they finished in the bottom half of the championship for the past three seasons and are there at the moment. But that's just an indication of how difficult it is to get out of the championship. With three clubs promoted and three relegated, there's a lot of movement. 
And we've talked before about clubs like West Bromwich Albion, Fulham and Watford being a kind of yo-yo clubs, often going up one season and down the next. And again, if you look at the clubs in the championship at the moment, Nottingham Forest, Sheffield United, Blackburn Rovers, QPR, clubs which are Premier League clubs, but they're not in the Premier League at the moment. They got relegated and haven't been able to get back. And again, as Peter said, look at League One, Ipswich Town, Sunderland, Wigan, Sheffield Wednesday, Bolton Wonders, clubs which have spent years in the top division, but were relegated not just to the Championship, but from the Championship to League One. Part of the problem is, of course, that a club which finds itself in the Championship struggles to hold on to its best players. They go to Premier League clubs. The very players that you need to get you out of the Championship. Sorry to end on a negative note, but even if he does get back on the Watford team, I think it's highly likely that they will be relegated and he will be back in the Championship next year. Yes, Watford not in a good position. More on the relegation fight shortly, but to the UEFA Champions League now. Interesting games this week as Kylian Mbappe got a last gasp winner for Paris Saint-Germain. Nice wins for Man City and Liverpool, Stuart. Yeah, this week saw the first leg of half the ties in the round of the last 16 of the Champions League, where the eight group winners play the eight group runners-up, home and away. Manchester City had a potentially difficult away game against Sporting Lisbon, and it proved difficult for the first seven minutes until Riyad Mahrez put City ahead. They led 4-0 at half-time and won 5-0. Could this be the year that City finally get the big one? Liverpool went to Inter Milan, again a tough-looking game, and won 2-0, with Mo Salah scoring. So both of the English clubs looked to have made passage to the quarter-finals look easy. Bayern Munich needed a 90th-minute equaliser to get a draw away to Salzburg. But the tie of the round saw, as you say, Paris Saint-Germain entertain Real Madrid. Real Madrid, 13 times winners of the Champions League, or its predecessor, the European Cup. And on the other hand, PSG, bankrolled by the state of Qatar, desperate to win it just once. Real, though, are a shadow of their illustrious past, and they adopted a very negative approach to the game, appeared to be playing for a nil-nil result, which they were into injury time to get, but Neymar set up Mbappe in the 94th minute. But it could have been worse for Real Madrid, as Lionel Messi, of all people, missed a penalty on the hour, with former Chelsea goalkeeper Courtois saving Messi's spot-kick. Yes, you wouldn't expect that from Messi. To the English Premier League, Man City-Tottenham on Saturday, the big game of the weekend, Stuart. Well, Steve, I think it's hard to see Manchester City slipping up against an inconsistent Tottenham team this weekend. But if they do, Liverpool, with a home game against second-bottom Norwich City, could close the gap. Chelsea, in third place, are away to Crystal Palace. At Manchester United, having beaten Brighton in midweek, have moved into fourth place, and they are away to Leeds on Sunday. A really old historical rivalry there. And talking of Manchester United, Donny van de Beek played 90 minutes for Everton as they beat Leeds United 3-0 and was chosen man of the match. Now, in his two and a half years at Manchester United, he started only four league games. Great to see his loan at Everton beginning to work out for him. At the bottom of the table, last weekend, Newcastle United, already out of the bottom three, beat Aston Villa their third win in a row. 
New signing Kieran Trippier scored from a direct free kick for the second week running, but then sustained a serious foot injury, which may keep him out for three months, we're told. A real blow for Newcastle. And in fact, Newcastle have scored from a direct free kick in the last three games they've played, something which has not happened since 2013. But Eddie Howe has transformed things and has got Newcastle winning again. Things are now looking bleak for the three bottom clubs, Watford, Norwich City and Burnley, all losing at home last weekend, meaning that Newcastle are now four points clear of Norwich, six clear of Watford and seven clear of Burnley. That was Watford's sixth home defeat in a row. Burnley have two games in hand, but that doesn't mean a lot, as they've only won once in 21 games this season. This weekend, Burnley are away to Brighton, Watford away to Aston Villa, and Norwich away to Liverpool. No easy points for any of them. Steve, in the Leicester City-West Ham game last weekend, an irresistible force met an immovable object when Leicester were awarded a penalty. Because Yuri Tielemans, who took the penalty, had a record of scoring 22 of 25 penalties. Whereas the West Ham goalkeeper Lucas Fabianski had saved 14 of the 56 he's faced. Well, Tielemans scored. Leicester, in fact, led 2-1 after 90 minutes, but Craig Dawson scored from a corner. And that was the 14th time this season that Leicester have conceded a goal from a set-piece. What is more, five of the last seven goals they've conceded have come in the last five minutes of the game. Manager Brendan Rodgers said, I really feel for the players. It's so deflating to concede from a set piece yet again. But ultimately we needed someone wanting to put their head on the ball. But it was a controversial equaliser as Dawson put the ball into the net with his shoulder or was at the top of his arm. The referee and bar were satisfied it was not handball, but these days I'm not sure anyone knows what constitutes a handball. As I said, Leicester have conceded 14 goals from set pieces, and I thought you needed to know that Liverpool have scored 11 from corners this season. Quite the opposite way round. And Michael Keane scored for Everton with a header. It was his 10th Premier League goal, all of them from free kicks or corners, 7 of them headers. And keeping it in the family, Michael's twin brother, Will, scored for Wigan Athletic. Well, that's a family affair for sure. What else have you got for us, Stuart? Well, the English Football Association has asked the International Football Board, which is responsible for the laws of the game, to authorise a trial of referees wearing body cameras the way police do. The FA argument is that it would help protect referees from assault and verbal attacks, and would provide evidence, for example, if racist language had been used. Some eye-watering statistics about Premier League income from broadcast deals have just been released, with the Premier League receiving $13.5 billion over the next three years. Half of that comes from the UK, and the other half from the rest of the world. The most expensive contract is with the US, $2.7 billion dollars. And the sub-Saharan African contract with Supersport is worth $680 million over the next three years. Now, if you ever wanted to prove that football is a worldwide game, take last weekend's FIFA Club World Cup Final, which saw Christian Pulisic from North America helping a European team 
beat a South American team in a game played in Asia with an Australian referee. Amazing. Yes, well done to Chelsea there for winning the Club World Cup. Congrats to their many fans. They've taken every single trophy possible now as a club. Well done too to Al-Akhli of Egypt as the Pizzo Massimani coach side finished third for the second year in a row at the Club World Cup. Thanks a lot there to Stuart Weir, our European football expert in the UK. Uh, Before we go, our question on social media this week. We're talking about the UEFA Champions League, asking who you think might win. Interesting games uh, for starters, as Paris Saint-Germain needed that late, late goal to beat Real Madrid, who didn't look anywhere near the side of a few years ago. And good wins for Man City and Liverpool. Bayern Munich snatching a late draw. So who do you think will win the Champions League this season? You can post a comment on our Facebook page that's planet sport football africa or send us a whatsapp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero that's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero who do you think will win the champions league well from me steve vickers and ash tikiwe in harare from ida waringa in nairobi and from Stuart weir in the uk thanks a lot for listening and planet sport football africa is a passion for sport production